0: Father, that is the posture that you long for our hearts, isn't it? That we come as people who come surrendered to you because we know the greatness and majesty and glory that you behold. Because we know your mercy and your kindness never fail. Because you are a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We need to hear that today, Father. I pray that you would speak that truth into our hearts. I pray as we open your word now, Lord, that you would come through the power of your spirit. Only through your Holy Spirit can we understand these truths. Only through the power of your Holy Spirit can we know your heart. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, and in your mercy and grace transform us from one degree of glory to another. We pray this in Christ's name amen please be seated well at our staff meeting this past monday jennifer holstead who is the director of our early childhood ministry looked at me when i walked in and she said uh robert you looked pretty frazzled on sunday (laughs) and i looked at her and i go i did how and she proceeded to tell me and and when she said that i've got to tell you it hit me like a ton of bricks because I hadn't really thought about it yet, but looking back, last Sunday was our first Sunday here at our home away from home at City Center, and, and as you maybe might imagine, I came in uh, pretty worked up, uh, wanting everything to go smoothly and, and everything to work perfectly, and, and while I want to do a really good job, I know the reality is everything is not going to work always according to plan. And as I stepped back and thought about what she said, I looked frazzled. I thought for a moment, God, what was underneath that? And the Lord showed me it was my desire for control. My desire for control. You see, you think that I would have learned that in the past 12 months, wouldn't you? Uh, With COVID and everything, we've had to be flexible and and do things in such a different way. Obviously, God knew I needed more to learn on the whole area of control. You see, I had had my Sabbath the day before. And it was a day that I had set aside of rest to to stop work and to to set my eyes, my mind on the Lord. But I've got to be honest, I, I realized I had allowed all the worries, all the pressures just came on me about how Sunday was going to go, that it was probably all but a day of real rest as God would have had designed it for me. And so on Wednesday at 6.30, I was on a Zoom call with some friends that, that, I, that are around the country. We, we meet every, Thursday, every every Wednesday at 6.30 in the morning for a Zoom study. And I shared with them, I said, I felt like the last two weeks with the church flooding and having to find a new location and all of that, I said, I felt like i have been running a marathon. And, and, and I said, you know, one of our staff said I was just frazzled. And, and, and one of them said to me, they said, Robert, you're not going to like what I'm going to tell you. And I said, all right, I'll listen anyway. And he said, you need to take a Sabbath day rest. (laughs) They said, you need that every week. And I said to him, or saw him through the Zoom, and I said, well, little do you know, in this season of Lent, I am doing a sermon series on Sabbath rest. (laughs) I need to take heed to my words, don't I? But I realized something really, really important. The fact that my friend had to challenge me to do that, Open my eyes to see how much I strive in life, how much I am a doer in life, how much I am someone who wants to have control of everything, exactly what a Sabbath day's rest begins to unwind in a person. Now, I look out this morning and or today I see y'all and, and those online, I can't see you, but I, I gather your life is probably not all that different than mine. Because I don't think I'm the only one who wrestles with striving and doing and and filling our days with all kinds of stuff and wants to try to control things. I don't think I'm the only one. But I will say it's pretty telling. If that's what it showed me about me, I think it's pretty telling. About so many, I would say, in the church in America today that we really don't understand what it really means to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy because so much of us go and go and go, and we strive and we do. And I've come to realize just how out of balance our lives really are. I wonder if you were to take a moment and take a look and do an assessment in your life. Would you say that it's balanced out well, or would you say it's out of balance? I would tell you, honestly, mine's kind of like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning into the Sabbath, that it becomes like this. But I want to encourage you, if, you're, if you've are if you been with us these past number of weeks in this season of Lent and you're leaning into wanting to see how do I really live out, what does it mean to have a Sabbath day's rest, a 24-hour day that looks very different from the other days, keep leaning into it. Don't expect perfection. Keep leaning in and you will find God doing a work in your life that, that friends, I will say for so many will set you free. It will give you a renewed joy and passion for the Lord and for life. And so what we're going to do right now is this. I've had a number of you ask me questions about what should I or what should I not do on the Sabbath? (laughs) What, What should that day really look like? So here's what we're going to do in our time together right now. First, we're going to look for a few minutes at the fourth commandment. What does it really say? And then we're going to look at what did Jesus have to say in the gospel reading that Dustin read a minute ago? What did Jesus have to say about the Sabbath day? And then we're going to pull it together with some, what I hope and pray, some very practical application. So listen along with me as I read Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. This is the fourth commandment. God said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. That's God's word to us in this commandment. But it begs the question, doesn't it? What does stopping work mean? (laughs) What does resting mean? I mean, who defines what work is? Who defines what rest is? How do we define those? Um some have asked, Is it okay to cook on the Sabbath, on Sunday? Well, I would say if Kimberly were here, she would, as I just saw someone nod their head, she would nod her head and say, No. (laughs) I do that every day as part of my part of my work at home. She goes, I'm not cooking on Sunday. Well, me on the other hand, I love to cook. And cooking is refreshing for me. It is fun, it's creative. And so for me, it's not a work, it's not a chore. Others will ask this, can you cut your grass on Sunday? Can you work in the yard on Sunday? (laughs) I remember when I was a kid, one weekend my parents had gone out of town and they had this lady, her name was Mrs. Ploose. She stayed with my brother and me. And on Sunday she took us to church as we would typically go to church on Sunday. And when we got home, I went straight in the garage, got our lawnmower out and started cutting the grass all of a sudden I look over and I see the front door open and there Miss Puss waving her hands, yelling, screaming at me, stop, stop, stop. I'm like going, what? Did I run over something? And she goes, you're not supposed to do that today. And I looked at her like she had two heads and said, what are you talking about? And she was someone who had a very strict, and I would even say a very legalistic mindset of what one does on the Sabbath. I'd never heard of anything like that before. And so when we read the fourth commandment and we want to try to unpack it, here's the dilemma that we're faced. What is appropriate or not appropriate to do, right? Well, here's what the Jews did. After after God had given this commandment, what they did is they set out to devise a set of rules and regulations, laws, if you will, that they put in effect to help ensure that people would not cross the line and break the fourth commandment. And and so what these laws and regulations were, if you will, like a fence. They were a fence to guard someone. If you got up right next to it, and and then you kind of pull away to not step over and break the fourth commandment. Now, these rules were later put in a document called the Mishnah. And one of the sections in that, there are 39 categories of forbidden activities I didn't just say 39 activities forbidden. 39 categories of forbidden activities. Things like no cooking. Now some of y'all might, yeah, good. Uh, No cooking or baking on the Sabbath. No writing a letter on the Sabbath. No erasing on the Sabbath. (laughs) No starting a fire. No putting out a fire. And there's even one that many of y'all might be familiar with. There was a law even that, that said how far one could walk. On the Sabbath, before it actually became work. Now, here's the great problem with all that those were man made laws, not God's law. And what they did, and what we tend to do, for some of us, is we set up all these restrictions on what not to do. And all of a sudden, what has the Sabbath day become? A burden, a chore. Something that you do not look forward to when it arrives. So here's what I want to look at. You've heard that the fourth commandment says you shall not work. Let's look at what insight Jesus gives us. Because when, when, when I read that, when, when God says you shall not work on the Sabbath one day a week, what we're doing is, and as I've said this on other sermons, we are, we are following the pattern of God. Remember? because God worked six days and he rested on the Sabbath, he didn't do any other work, that really is the rhythm of our lives. That's the DNA of humanity. It's to work and then to have one day in the seven where we stop that work and we rest in the Lord. Now, that sounds so foreign to us in America today. And I think for many, even in the church, it's foreign. But I fully believe we have got to come back and realize that It's not the fourth suggestion. It's the fourth commandment. And it really is a gift when we lean into it and understand it. So here's what we see about what Jesus says and does on the Sabbath. Look at your bulletin, Mark 2. I'm going to start in verse 23. What we have here are two examples of Jesus doing things on the Sabbath and the Pharisees, the religious folk of the day, rising up. You know, uh, how could he do that? So here's what we read. The first example is this. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Well, they were doing that because they were hungry, okay? They were trying to satisfy a hunger that they had. Well, the Pharisees were saying, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? You see, that was not a biblical law. That was one of man's laws, okay, that Jesus and his disciples just broke. And so Jesus, hearing that, responds to them, and he responds by by um, referencing a story that they would have been very familiar with. Again, these were the, the religious people of the day. They would have known the, the, the Old Testament well. And so he tells them of this story, and we have it here in verse 25. Jesus said, "'Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry?' He and those who were with him, how they, he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful, but the priest only could eat it, and so gave it to those who were with him. Do you see what's happening here? It is Jesus is saying, let me tell you what's really going on here. You are, you are telling me and my followers that what we're doing is unlawful, But yet that story in the Old Testament when David did what was literally unlawful in the law, taking the bread that was only for the high priest and got away with it, it was okay. You see what's happening here? You're following man's laws. You're more focused on man's laws and setting all these rules and regulations. You see, Jesus didn't break God's law here, but the Pharisees' law. And he's beginning to open their eyes, hopefully, to see, wait a minute, something's wrong here with this story. And then look at Mark chapter 3, the first few verses. We we read about Jesus entering a synagogue, and there was a man in there with a withered hand, and he goes up to the man, and he heals the man. And, And you can imagine the Pharisees begin to get indignant again. You know why? Because there was a law no healing on the Sabbath. But do you see the irony? Here is Jesus doing this act of compassion to a man who was sick. And and, and then we read in here that um, in verse 6, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him to destroy him. See the irony there? Jesus is doing an act of mercy, healing someone, and they are in their mind committing murder. But that was okay. Jesus is showing us something, I think, very powerful here. He's helping us understand what the Sabbath is really all about. How are we to view it? How do we live into it? And if you jump back to Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, Jesus gives us the clue, the key. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Friends, what you and I need to hear is this. Man was not made for the Sabbath to adhere to a bunch of rules and regulations and oppressive legalistic laws. Some of you might have grown up under that. Some of you might be living in that now. You see, Jesus came to set us free from that kind of thinking and that kind of living. Really, the reality is the Sabbath was made for man. Not to put an overwhelming weight on us, but to take the weight that we carry Off of us. The Sabbath is God's gift to humanity. And when Jesus says here that He is the Lord of the Sabbath, He's saying, I created the Sabbath. (laughs) And since I created the Sabbath, I'm the one who defines what the Sabbath ought to look like. And so the invitation for some here this morning is going to be this What legalistic laws have you? brought into your life that are keeping you from living out of this gift that god has given for others in here that's the farthest thing from your mind on the sabbath you, you you don't there's no set of things that you do in fact for many of us there are no practices at all that we do on the sabbath and i would say for those who are in that category this is the invitation to lean into what we find in the scriptures to lean into being intentional about having a one day a week 24 hours where we're setting it aside to stop our work and to honor the lord with our lives so here's where i want to get real practical now as we as we wrap this up when you're thinking about what to do or not to do on the sabbath i want you to ask yourself this are you imposing a set of rules and regulations that are burdensome when you're trying to see what to do on the Sabbath? Or is what you're seeking to do on the Sabbath honoring and glorifying to God, loving others with acts of kindness and compassion, and finding joy and refreshment for your own life? We need to think about how we enter into that day. Here's another question. What is it that brings you joy, rest, and refreshment in honoring the Lord? Think about that. What brings you joy, rest, and refreshment that would honor the Lord? Whatever you fill in the gap, I would see Then that becomes a picture of what your Sabbath day rest begins to look like. Are you getting a picture? It's not this burden to live under, but a delight to find that God has given for us. You see, what we find in this passage is Jesus is not just teaching about the Sabbath, He's demonstrating what a Sabbath life looks like, the things he's doing, how he's caring for his disciples, his followers, how he's healing a person with a withered hand on the Sabbath. Do you know that most of the healings that Jesus did were done on the Sabbath day? And I look at that and I think, wow, I believe God is still doing that today. But I think part of the problem is we're not leaning into that. Friends, we need to be bringing our sickness to be prayed for. We need to be seeing that God can and does heal. He moves in a mighty way. And I think the Sabbath is a key day to begin to have our eyes open to see where and how God is working around us. Friends, the Sabbath is this. It's a day to remind us of the easy yoke of Jesus. Jesus to remind us of the easy yoke of Jesus. Do you need to hear that this morning? So many of us live under a weight uh, of expectations of others, or our own expectations, just all kinds of things. And you remember the words that Jesus said in Matthew 11? Matthew 11, you may want to write this down, verses 28 to 30. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that's where we go on the sabbath <laughs> that's where we orient our minds and our focus around the easy yoke the light burden of jesus So here's what I would ask before I wrap this up. What can you do on the Sabbath to remind you that you no longer have to strive to earn God's favor? What are some things that that Sunday, that day can look like for you when you're taking a break? to Wait a minute, I don't have to earn this. When we begin to live into that, let me tell you, waking up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the rest of the week becomes so different. Because the Sabbath rhythm of life, of life, of not striving, not trying to earn, becomes more of the pattern of our lives as a whole. And I believe we bring honor and glory to the Lord in that. Mark Buchanan, in his book on the Sabbath, titled "The Rest of God," put it this way. He wrote, "Sabbath-keeping is more art than science, more poetry than arithmetic." It's something we get a knack for more than memorized procedures about it. It's like painting. Done by numbers, it comes off stiff and blotchy. But done with discipline, imagination, and passion, it both captures and enhances life. Is that not a glorious invitation? So real quick, let me just tell you a few things that I'm leaning into, what my Sabbath is beginning to look like. And so please don't go think, okay, now I've got to go do that, right? (laughs) This is the conviction that I see God showing me. See what he shows you. But for me, I'm learning on the Sabbath to turn my mind off from all the things that it races toward, all the doing, all the things that I've got on my list that I want to do. I'm always thinking ahead. And so on the Sabbath, I'm learning to quiet my mind with the word of God and find rest in him that I would cease my striving I'm learning not to shop at a store or to shop online on the Sabbath. Not because that's a legalistic rule, but because I wanna learn how to be content with what I have instead of what I want. You see, it's a different kind of practice that gets at what's really going on in the heart that actually helps form and shape us more around the person of Jesus. On my Sabbath, I, I love being out in my yard I love doing work in my yard. I love taking runs. I love spending time with Kimberly and my kids. These are things that I'm learning to lean into on the Sabbath. And the question is, what are those things for you? Jennifer Holstead has put together tremendous devotions that we're sending out every Monday during Lent. If you look at the bottom of those, you'll see a list of things, ideas, practices that you can begin to bring into your family, your life that I think might be very, very life-giving. So let me finish with this. I've done it at each of the other sermons, and I want to end with this. Four, four principles to Sabbath. Let me remind you of these. The first is this. We stop. Remember, on the Sabbath, they stop your work. Secondly, we rest. Engage in what replenishes you. Third, we delight. Delight in the gifts of God. Delight in your family. Delight in your friendships. And finally, we contemplate, reflect on God's word, who he is and what he's come to do. And you will find your life becoming more balanced, filled with joy and passion for the Lord and what he's called you to. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your kindness in your word. I thank you that you are patient with us. I thank you for the call that you have called us up to something so much more glorious than we settle for every day. And so as we continue to give you our worship, as we come before the table in just a moment, that we taste and see how good you are. Would you, through your grace, lead us to truly be a Sabbath-keeping people? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.